With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back, Hawkeye fans. It's uh, Rob Howe with Hawkeye Nation. Um, It's been a while. Uh, Season got busy and we haven't. You haven't heard my voice on our our podcast feed here at HN for a while, and I apologize for that. But now that uh, the regular football season is over, uh, we'll be cranking up some more podcasts. Um, We are recording this around 8.30 p.m. Central Time on December the 2nd, Monday, uh, the day before Iowa plays Syracuse in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And I am happy very happy to be joined by a guy I've known for a long time. I covered when he was a teenager here at the University of Iowa, uh, Greg Bruner, a uh, longtime professional overseas, and now wife, kids, job, school. He's got everything going on. So uh, I appreciate him staying up and doing this with us. How you been, Greg? I'm all right. I'm all right. Living the dream. When I, <laughs> when I complain, no one listens anyway. So I just figure I'll just keep keep my mouth shut and do what I need to do. <laughs> you know, man, I, I know you won't pat yourself on the back, but I will. And and for people that are the younger listeners that did not see Greg play at Iowa, I, I encourage you to, to get the YouTubes, check it out. Um, I was looking at some statistics. You obviously are the all-time leading rebounder, and that's a an awesome accomplish, accomplishment in and of itself. But the one that stood out to me were – was a rebounds in a game. You had 23 in January of 06 against Minnesota. The last person to do that before you was Kevin Coonert. He did it twice in 1972. Nobody did it between 72 and when you did it in 06, and nobody has done it since. Nobody's had at least 23 rebounds in a game. So that's, uh, that's pretty heady stuff, man. What was the key yeah. for you rebounding wise? You weren't you weren't the you weren't the biggest guy in the world. Well, according to the internet, I'm probably about six foot two. So I just oh, here we really... go with the here we go with the how tall is Greg Bruner. <laughs> uh, I get people sending me messages about that all the time. You know, and and to be honest with you, like the the thing about me, I I was six seven, um, but I weighed 260, 65 pounds. I graduated high school at two fifty five. So I'm playing up the size of like some of the tight ends that are out, you know, on the Iowa roster. It wasn't like I was, um, everybody's like always oh, short, but I wasn't, I mean, if you look at Mozgov from when I talked about this last time, I mean, he's seven to 240 pounds. So there's a big difference in there. And I mean, and, and I guess rebounding is, it's, it's nothing more than wanting the ball more than somebody else. And I had four opportunities to give up a foul to get it so if I wasn't going to get it it was going to be a dead ball and I was going to put it the person to the floor so that the next time they would be as willing to want to go get it with me and so it was just kind of that mentality and rebounding for me has always just been that nature um I I just enjoy it uh and once I got older I just realized that if I'm getting older fatter slower um can't jump as high as I used to 
especially in my 30s when I was starting to play. But if I could get eight to ten rebounds a game, it'd be hard to kind of take me off the floor. So that was what I, I focused in on. And, and rebounds get you easy baskets. And rebounds, you know, they start a lot of offensive flow. Um, it's, it's doing the right thing. So you get a guy that can, that can go out and just go get the ball and get possessions for your team or stop possessions. That's a huge key. Yeah, you don't have to wait for the point guard to get you the ball. You just go get it yourself. You don't have to wait for the guards to pass it to you. So that's a bonus as well. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, we talked about a, a little bit about him before we got onto the pod, but I'd like to start with Iowa's leading rebounder this year, Luca Garza, and the strides that he's made in that area. He's kind of built progressively the last few years. Um, I believe he's had... They've played, what, six games? He's had four double-doubles. I think he missed it one, once by a, a, a point and another one by a rebound or something like that. So he's kind of been in that that area all year where he's in the double-double range. Um, what have you seen from him last year to this year? Yeah, I don't. last year was – he came off of the surgery at the beginning of the year. And I really think that that, that set him back. I'm not in, in any way saying that he had a bad year. Um, it just wasn't the year I was anticipating for him. And uh, I think that it just coming off of that surgery, um, it just it, it put him a little bit behind because he had to take an extended break. And as a big guy, your your motor is based off of, you know, building that basic endurance. And that takes a lot of time because people don't realize he's 6'11 and is running the floor as well as he does. It's not you can't just create that off of three weeks of work. That's a you know, that's a, a building process over six months. And. He had a huge, huge, uh, I guess, roadblock in the middle of that, and he overcame it. I thought he had, he had his up and down season, um, and a lot of guys do that sophomore year. I really struggled my sophomore year also, um, but it's just a situation where I got to play a lot because we had seven scholarship players, um, <laughs> and I think that he stepped up. Uh, and with Jason, uh, uh, geez, with Bohannon going out. Um, and the potential of him missing an entire season. Uh, I think this was a, a good time and a good spot where he stepped up his leadership and he's showing by example what needs to happen. And I anticipate that kind of going um, for the entire season. I think he's got the skill set to continue to push that. Uh, you know, when they get in the Big Ten, it's a little bit different schedule, a little bit different. You know, he's a little bit bigger, 6'11", being that size. It, wears on him a little bit. So the two games a week that way, it, it's a little bit tougher in the big season. So it, it might be tough to do this, replicate this for an entire season. But I anticipate him having a huge year this year. And I think he's got all the skill sets to do that. I, I Just from, you know, uh, an, the untrained eye, I guess I, my eyes somewhat trained because I've been doing this for a while. But it seems, with, and, and I love Tyler Cook's game. He, he I, I loved watching him play. But it seems like, it almost seemed like he and Luca had trouble coexisting. They both kind of wanted to to work on that low block and weren't. Luca's a little more comfortable, I think, facing up than than Tyler was last year. But it just seems like with the smaller lineup that there's a little bit more freedom for Luca to kind of to operate in there. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's always it's it's tough. Um, and I was a little bit worried this year because they had so many big guys. And uh, and I didn't want it to end in this way with Nunji getting hurt. Um, that's not what I wanted to see at all. Um, but in those in those situations, I, I see that Luca. I mean, that's just one last person that you got to fill, fill in a rotation too. Um, especially with 
they're just so talented on the front court. And I, you, you could see that a little bit last year. Um, I think Tyler had a little bit more personality. Um, and I think Luca is a young, as an underclassman and um, maybe took a step back and you could see the ball, the offense maybe played through a Tyler a little bit more. Um, and for Luca, you can tell once he gets his offensive, like offensively, when he's going, everything else kind of clicks. And I'm hoping that that continues. But then within that progression, too, is that on off nights, he can take that defensive side or the rebounding side and help click and get things moving in the right. If he's having an off night offensively. And I think he can do that. Um, and I think that they're going to force force him to do that, especially because he can't have a, a, a two point night um, and, and expect them to win because um, he could do that last year with Tyler. Uh, if he had two points, two rebounds, they could still win the game because Tyler could, you know, be a demanding force on the inside. And I think if he does that now, they're going to struggle a little bit. And mm-hmm. and I think Kreiner, Kreiner, uh, Kreiner, Kreiner, I always mess up how I say it. Love the kid, but um, I think he has the ability, Kreiner, right? Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. has the ability to kind of um, to come in and play a vital role for the team. And I think you, you're starting to see him even come in and be a little bit more of a focal point when he's in. He's He scores in bursts, he rebounds in bursts, and I think that's the role they want him to play too. And... Um... I don't think he's as skilled as you were or explosive as you were, but he plays with kind of the, the edge that you did kind of that attitude that you need, especially in the big 10, but Cordell pencil seems like he kind of break his body's so broken down that I don't think he can give you more than probably 18 or 20 a night, but he gives you those hard minutes and he gives you the attitude. I kind of like what he brings edge wise. Have you seen that from him? Yeah, um, you saw it last year in the Iowa State game, the one game he got to play in. Right. Um, he he brings he brings that that um, it's a, just just a different demeanor relative to the other big men that you have. Um, he kind of brings in with with that mindset of like he's not going to let anybody punk him on the court in that way. He's kind of that enforcer type role, and I think he, he I think he likes that. I think that's something he likes to do. Um, and I always joke if you have those guys. Uh, the number one, the, the the highest stat that sometimes they'll get is four fouls, but people don't realize that that is exactly what you need. Um, and he's playing a huge vital role. I mean, he could have two points, two rebounds, and four fouls, and that he could be the player of the game because he can come in and completely change the momentum in a game and do very little, but just the attitude, the enthusiasm, the energy, everything can be adjusted just by him. And I think you saw that a little bit in the Iowa State game. I don't think he had outrageous numbers that game last year, but he just brought a different demeanor to the court. Yeah, well said. Um, Luca had 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 issues with foul trouble last year. He had avoided that pretty much until this San Diego State game, where they gave him some size and some length. What can he do? Because obviously teams are going to try to get him in foul trouble. That's got to be near the top of your scouting report. What does he have to do as best he can? I mean, you, there, there's some nights where you're just going to get fouls called on you, you know, for breathing, but, um, for him to kind of make sure that he can stay on the floor. Yeah. Um, and, and like you just said, sometimes it's just, it's positioning. Um, you're, you're trying to do too much or you're not trying to do, you're trying to do too little to avoid it. And then you're in a bad spot and you get caught that way. Um, a lot of the stuff that I've noticed just through the years is guards help a lot with big men's fouls. Um, especially if, how how much the pick and roll has changed the game of basketball. Mm. The ability of the guard to, you know, 
preemptively jump ahead, jump aside, um, force things down, and get to that spot. And the aggressivity that they can bring to that pick and roll often takes a lot of that pressure off the big man where he has to make a choice. Um, and big men, especially being 6'11", like he is, having to make a choice against a six-foot guard that's explosive, usually that's usually where you catch your fouls because they get you off kilt a little bit and then they take advantage of it. I think that he can, he'll be protected a little bit more in the Big Ten just from the fact that he's getting in be an upperclassman. Um, they know that he's vital to the Iowa success. Uh, and if he plays that way the entire time, they usually let you go that way. Like, that was my number one thing I learned is if I play the same way the entire time, they're going to call it the same way. It's not going to be – very rarely did you have somebody come in and completely disrupt how I played just – because that's how I was known to play. Like similar, if you think of Rodman, that's his style of basketball. That's what he's mm-hmm. going to do. He got away with a lot more. If somebody else went and tried to be Rodman, they wouldn't get away with half the stuff he used to do. So it's just he's got to he's got to set that tone and maintain that tone of intensity. And I think he'll he'll skirt by with a lot of the refs. That's interesting. I hadn't I hadn't heard that angle before, where referees are are kind of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? They kind of, uh, they, they pay attention. Yeah. They pay attention to player tendencies. I, I guess that's, um, that's good. I mean, that, I, that's got to help with game flow. Yep. Oh, especially, I mean, your freshman, your freshman and sophomore year, they don't care. They're, they're, they're not protecting the juniors and seniors, but your their their calls are heavily skewed that way. Um, Outside, if you go play at the Breslin Center, where every call is skewed that way. Um, but like, <laughs> if you play, uh, like, you, if you're playing against a junior senior, they they tend to lean towards that way, unless you're a star freshman that's you know leading the league or something like that. But the the thing that I liked um, as I played was, especially as I set up and established, that's how I play. Is I had I had a lot of vet refs too. So I mean, High Tyler, Hillary, Wel- uh, Welmer, those guys. Yeah. Like I. They would tell me three times before they would call me on something stupid. Like if I just would bump a guy or do something and it'd be, Greg, there's your first warning. Greg, here's your second warning. You do it again, I'm going to call you. And so then I'd just smile at them and, and everything would be good. So you just, you know, you know how far you can take it as you build those relationships with those guys. Um, it's a little bit different crew maybe now, but that's kind of, I, we played in the old Big Ten where a foul was a, was a foul. And you know when you got fouled. Are you saying that visiting teams don't get called, get calls in the Breslin Center? Uh, I would, uh, <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah, it's and, and rightfully so. Izzo's earned his stripes, and he does a good job, and he, he's he's built that environment there. But going up there to play, it's you, you'll get about a half of calls. It's either going to be the first half where they call it tight, and then the second half nothing is called, or the second half they call it tight, and they've already let them blow you out in the first half. It's usually how it goes up there. So it's it's definitely the the, the style of refs are uh, from my four experiences up there were were definitely different from half to half. Yeah, he is relentless. You know who surprised me was when were you on the team that played at the United Center against Duke? Uh, or was that before you? That may have been that was your... before me. That okay. was before me. I was I was I had never. Um, been around coach K before and, and watched no. him like from an arena, you know, actually live. I mean, you see it on TV, but from the arena, he was nonstop start to finish in that game. And 
Steve had no chance. He was going up against the guy. Like it's kind of like watching Fran go against Izzo. Fran yeah. is, you know, gets respect, but when you're going against the legends like that, man, it's yep. just you're you're at a disadvantage. Yep. I mean, think about Kirk in football. You know what I mean? He can say yeah. something to a ref, and he doesn't yell a lot, but when he does, they they listen. So, and that's and that's just tenured. Um. Both of Iowa's losses came to teams that kind of um, athletic could break them down off the dribble, um, length. Um, is just is there something you're seeing there with those matchups that's going to be um, that are going to be tough for Iowa this season? And is there a way to to counter that, or is it more, or were those just just kind of the the nature of those two games, and the other team was making shots and Iowa wasn't? From the uh, it was a DePaul game early, right? That was the, right. Yeah, that from what I saw, that that was just they made threes. Right. It's tough to beat a team when you make that many threes, and they shot the ball well. And sometimes you just walk into a buzzsaw and you take your stripes and you walk away and you, you try to get the next couple. Um, we've we, I've been a part of that, and I've done that. We've done that to teams where we've beaten teams that are a lot better than us, and we just hit everything, and then. We've been beat by teams that we shouldn't have been touched by because they hit everything. It's just that's part of basketball, and sometimes it's just hard. That's yeah, like I said, you walk away. The San Diego State game, um, that one was a little different for me. I, I don't know. It's really hard to judge a team, especially with this much flux right now of people mm. trying to figure out. You know, Bohanna's trying to figure out what he's going to do, um, and then you got Nunji being out. Um, people are trying to get into their strides. I mean, even. Uh, we can't, he's struggling a little bit right now from um, trying to find that, that, that stride and, and playing the way he normally does. He's not, not doing anything detrimental or anything like that. He's just a little bit different. You can still, he's still trying to. What do you see? What do you see in there, Greg? Sorry to interrupt you. I just, cause no. that was something I wanted to hit on. He just seems kind of not himself. He's a sophomore. That's usually what it is. People yeah. start to realize how to guard you. They've seen you a lot now. They, they put different pressures on you. They, we have a half of a, or three quarter of a Bohannon where he's not fully there yet. He's not in shape. So they're keen on like the shade. We camp a little bit. Then Bohannon's not getting around. He's not as explosive as before. Um, and so it's just a little bit. And that, I mean, part of the, part of the reason um, Garza's is getting, more open is because he's got three extremely good shooters from the perimeter and they they can't key off of him anymore and drop as many people anymore because he can kick out and, they, and he's a pretty good passer as a big guy and they get wide open threes i just think it's time i mean sophomore years are tough like i said it's you haven't you haven't matured enough to know and trust your game enough that you can just do what you do um and people have scouted you enough to try and shut you down so it's just it's just got to continue to build that confidence, and once he gets to that point, has one of those breakout games, it's going to be the the guy that we have always known. I don't, I have no no fear of him at all having a down year. I think he's a great player, and I think there's a reason why everybody's so he's so he's touted so high. What so did you see in that? State, you know, yes. I will say though, I just, I think we got tired. I think that was that was mm-hmm. we got tired in that second half a little bit. That was part of it. And that one kid went off, Malachi yep. or whatever his name. He just sometimes you run into players like that too that get hot. Yep. Um, touching on on Bohannon a little bit, um, he, you know, and talking to him before the season, 
he was really um, locked into if he wasn't if he didn't feel a hundred percent not playing this whole season. He looks really like Texas Tech game. He looked like he had it. San Diego State back to back nights. It didn't, but Iowa doesn't. You don't have a lot of back to back during the during the season. But I just wonder if it's worth him pushing forward. And I, I know we're kind of I'm asking you to kind of speculate here, but kind of what are your thoughts on that? When when you know you have an opportunity to come back next year, maybe at a hundred percent, or do you push forward? See, I'm I'm the worst person to ask this question to because I didn't miss a single game in my college career. And my first professional game I missed was well nine years in. Um, yeah. I didn't like to miss games. Um, I played through a, a lot. I played through. I had I played six days after an emergency appendix up in appendectomy, um, with just put padding on my stomach. So, I, I'm I'm cut a diff, little bit different um, in that way. Uh, but I also don't play – I play a little bit different than him. So I could get by with being a little bit slower and a little bit sluggish and just continue to hit people and lean on people, and that was my strength. He has to be able to create separation because he's not a big guard, and he's got to be able to create speed. He's got to be able to guard, and that's completely on a hip right there. So I, my thing is with him is I think that the medical staff knows him well enough and and a lot of it just depends on what if he if he wants to have a life after basketball like playing basketball sometimes it's better to rest if not i mean if he if he thinks he can come back and 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 i think he can do what he needs to do for the season and for the team and and be the player that he was then that's more to him but i just you're your number one fear there is like especially with guys that just play and you're seeing this a lot now is kids that just played one sport their entire life their bodies are breaking down at mm. age 23, 24, instead of where mine started to break down at 34, uh, 32, 34. And that's the difference. Even though I played a lot of basketball, I just, I played a lot of sports growing up. And I just, I just see these, some of these kids that have just been doing the same thing over and over. And I'm wondering how much that has to take a part of that. Yeah. Cause it's pretty much the high school season in AAU. It never stops. Yep. It's it's getting a little bit outrageous, in my opinion. So yeah, um, but I, I, that's a tough one for me to say. I I mean, I think that we have one of the best medical staffs out there. Um, I think Fran has his players' best interests at heart, um, and I think Jason. Uh, he, he, I do I, that too. It's all right. Yeah, I don't <laughs> don't know why I do that every time. It's just so because <laughs> I know his brother better, so I think Jay just knows well enough if he needs to go or if he doesn't. Um, and I like the, what they're doing now. This gave him a little bit more time to see that. So, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be hard. It's got to be – that's got to be hard to say to yourself, all right, I'm going to shut it down and not play and just sit on the bench and watch other guys play when you don't know. It's just – it's a hard situation. I, I imagine it's got to be hard for him to – because there's probably not an easy answer or – you don't know. I mean, you could push forward and, and it, you know, mess up again, or, yep. you know, you could, uh, you could, t- you could shut it down and it, you, maybe you could have gone. So yeah, yep. I feel for him. Yep. Um, I, this is a question I get a lot from fans. It's the, 
the Connor McCaffrey point guard or Joe Toussaint point guard and what Iowa needs to do at that position. I'm of the belief that they can play both of those guys because I think Connor's versatile, versatile enough to be able to move off the ball and do some d- different things, and, and nobody knows his his dad's system better than he does. Um, what are your kind? What are your thoughts there? Obviously, two diff, completely different styles of point guard. Um, Connor gets knocked a lot, and I just and I and I struggle a little with it. Um, if his name. If his name was Connor Smith, he would not get the criticism he gets. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with is people like stats. Um, teammates like people that get him the ball and want other people to do well. And I guarantee you his teammates love him because he's not going to be the guy that is out there disrupting their flow. His focus is trying to make other people better. His focus is getting people into the right spots. He, he has his limitations but all basketball players do. And I think this year he's actually playing pretty dang well. Um, I've enjoyed watching him and how he's kind of moved and how he's kind of taking a little bit different style of approach. Um, and he's just, he's a big guard. And I think he brings a, a, a sense of physicality that some of the other guards don't have. Um, it's, it's tough. I think I agree with you. I think that you have two different, two different types of point guards. You can play them two different styles, um, and you, neither one's gonna go, neither one is gonna be the same, and they're you just gotta have the right personnel to go with them. Um, if you have Connor in, you gotta have other guys that can make plays, and you gotta have uh, he's just gonna be your floor general, and he's gonna be a pit bull on the defensive end. And I think the other route is that you might the the the, the relationships in, in, on the floor are a little bit different. You have a little bit more of a um, a commanding point guard in which they have the ball in their hand a little bit more. Um, and maybe it's just not the ball, the, the, it gets a little stagnant because oftentimes he's out dribbling trying to create his own stuff. And that's just his style of play. So there's just two, it's a, just two different dynamic offenses, like relative to what, the point guard position. So I don't think there's a wrong or a right. I just, I, I, it's the flow of the game with what's going, what's needed in the game. Yeah, and I think, like we talked about, if both, if you know, if Jordan decides that to shut it down, obviously they're going to need both of those guys to play yep. a ton of minutes anyway. And Toussaint, I really like. I think he's got a bright future, but he's a freshman. You talked about yep. sophomores, freshmen. He's 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 got to you know he's a cult that needs to be broken. He he gets himself sped up to you know when he, when he's under control, he's 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 outstanding, but. Sometimes he gets too sped up and out of control, and uh, that can be detrimental to the team. So Fran's probably going to have to manage that as best he can. Yep, and that's that's the fun part about being young and dumb is sometimes you don't even realize what you're doing, and, and you look back as a senior and be like, "Wow, if I would have done X, Y, Z." But that's how you be. That's how you see the progression as you go because you learn your lessons as you go. So all right, we'll we'll wind this pod down now. We're almost on a half hour. We don't want to bore people and we want to keep material for future shows. But, um, I know you, you know, in, in doing, uh, the, where are you now? Where are you, are they now on you? I believe last spring or last fall. I can't remember. I'm old and, and my memory sucks, but, um, you talked about, you know, how much you enjoy Iowa football now and, and having that ability on Saturdays to be able to watch that sometimes easier than it is watching Iowa basketball. what do you think of the football season? Nine and three, 
he would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have said, I'm happy. I'm content with that. Um, I, I think that's right where I had him picked. Uh, and I think even Vegas said they were going to be eight and four, so they surpassed that. It's just the difference between this year and the 15 year, 2015, was those close games that we lost. We didn't lose those. We we somehow pulled it out, you know. And we're we're probably 10 plays away from being a 12 and 0 team. So I, I I loved it. I had a blast this year. I I was. Obviously, with every being a fan, you always have your frustrations. But being the guy that's been there and gone through what they're going through, I, I get it. Um, and so I think that they made huge progress uh, from the start of the season to the end of the season. And I was I was happy with what went on. So I, it, it was a fun season. How I mean, did the didn't the football coaches at Charles City try to get you to play? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kurt tried to get me to play after the season my senior year. Oh, out. did he? Did he really? Yeah, I could have. I, I probably should have. I had the body to do that better than um, uh, probably even play basketball. I mean, I, they, <laughs> like, my big fear was is that they were going to make me a lineman because, like I said, I was 260 <laughs> out of high school, and I didn't have a problem putting weight on because I could have been I could have been 300 by the end of my freshman <laughs> year. It would not have been an issue, so. Yeah, it, it it I I've always thought what if, but you know I've been able and blessed done a lot of good things on the basketball court. Brad Banks always gives me a hard time because he always said <laughs> you probably would have been better off just going trying to go straight into the NFL after basketball because he said they like it better when they can teach you the NFL rules basically that you don't have all the the tendencies that happen in college and so we have that ongoing joke about everything. But no, I football football I, I love it. Um, I love to watch it. Um, I just I like seventy two in a flat surface. That's why I play basketball. Uh, it's that that plane in the and and the weather they just played it at Nebraska. That that's not for me. I feel that man. And you you got to do what you love, and you you love basketball, and you had a great career. And uh, this is cool. I, I think this is going to be a good deal for us. Um, I, I knew I I knew that you would be entertaining and knowledgeable to do this with me. And uh, I think the fans are really going to like this. I'm interested to see what type of feedback we get. And I look forward to doing this the rest of the season, my man. Yeah, absolutely. Just ping me whenever you need me. And then um, I would love to, if you can, if you can give me some access to some of the people's things people say, I, I mean, I would even take questions or fire, fire some some fi- fighting words back at them. So. <laughs> Let's do that for the next. That's a good idea, Greg. Um, you're, you, you're a lot smarter than me. Um, we will um, next time before, maybe the day before we decide to pod, I'll have people send questions to us with a hashtag on Twitter or something. <laughs> however, the, however the kids do it these days. And we'll take some questions and uh, we'll have some fun with that. All right. I'm in for it. All right, my man. Have a great right, night. We'll talk to you soon. And that'll do it for this edition of the Bruner and Howe podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon.